Welcome to the Crossings Church Podcast, where we strive to love God and love people. And now, here's this week's message. My household, we love to wash our hands. Have you washed your hands today? Don't you love saying that to your kids? Kids walk in. Have you washed your hands? How many have said that like in the last week? It's just like one of those common, common, have you washed your hands? I mean, one of the first things I do after church is, hey, Dalton, one of the first things I do after church is wash my hands. Not that I don't love you, but I always say I'm washing the church off my hands, Cindy. <laughs> thing I do, man. It's like, whoa. I don't know where your hands have been. So, uh, yeah, washing hands, that's a, that's a big topic. Uh, in fact, like um, uh, at our household, you don't reach into chips. You got to pour them out. How many have that same rule? Don't reach your hand in because we don't trust. Did you, we don't know that you washed your hands, so you got to pour chips out. Don't be touching my chips so that, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get after. Um, you know, Cindy's literally gone as far as like, Notice one time there was no soap in a uh, fast food restaurant. An employee went in, used the restroom, left. And she went out like, I need to talk to the manager. You know where she's going, right? Our office is terrible, like, because we, we rent the house to office out of. And, and right outside the restroom door, there's my desk and a couple other desks. And we know if you washed your hands or not. If you go use the restroom at our place, just at least turn the sink on. Because we'll know, and we will judge you. So yeah, wash the hands is a big deal. The Pharisees thought it was a big deal too in our passage this week in uh, Mark chapter 7. Uh, but they actually went too far with it. They, in, in having hand washing and ceremonial hand washing, they, they missed the bigger point. And we're going to talk about that big point today because it has implications for every single one of us in this room. Uh, so if you will go to Mark chapter 7. We're going to start with verse 1. It says, um, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Yeah, that's funny, right? The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. So ceremonial washing, uh, the washing of hands, wasn't actually a biblical commandment. It was something passed by the tradition of the elders, how they, how they washed their pots and how they washed their hands. It was one of those things that was a church thing they did, is what we would call it. And Jesus continues in verse 9, he says, And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is put 
to be put to death. But you say to that, if anyone declares what, that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like this. So this is talking about uh, they had another tradition. Let's say you had an elderly mother or father, and you need to give them, you know, 500 bucks a month to survive on. And you said, you know what? That's called Corban. Meaning you said this $500 that I could use to help my parents is a gift to God. It's dedicated to God. They said, okay, if you do that, then you don't have to worry about mom and dad. Sorry, mom and dad. Tough luck. And Jesus saying, hey, there is a command that says, honor your father and your mother. Take care of your family. Now, that sounds like a good thing to do, but no one really gives you credit for that. If you're taking care of mom and dad, there, there are heroic people in this church that have cared for elderly mothers and fathers, have done great works, that have cared for children that need care, and all kinds of people that have been cared for from people in this church, and no one sees you. You don't get credit for that on Sunday morning. No one says, what a wonderful job you're doing. But if they were to dedicate that money to God, we see in the New Testament how they would give in those days is they would show up at the temple. There would be a basket in front of everybody. These religious people say, look how much I'm giving. And everybody, ooh, that guy's really holy. They got a pat on the back. So that's kind of what was going on there. Jesus goes on. He says, again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of them that defiles a person. So he's saying there, there's nothing, there's no like dirt you're going to eat or unwashed hands you're going to eat with or that's actually going to make you defiled or unclean. He says, it's what comes out of you. After he had left the crowd and entered a house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Verse 18, he says, are you so dull? How many of you have ever felt like God might talk to you that way? <laughs> I feel like sometimes that Jesus showed up, Trevor, are you so dull? Really, we, we've been through this before. You, you should know this already. He says, are you so dull? He says, he asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into the heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. Pretty graphic, Jesus. That's like straight junior high ministry stuff right there. But he gets graphic. He tells them, here's how this works. You eat something that was dirty, it goes to your stomach, and then you get rid of it. It doesn't go to the heart. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside 
and defile a person. So, Jesus is stating something so very, 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 very important here. The Pharisees were trying really hard to look good. I call this self-effort. They're washing cups. They're washing hands. They did all kinds of things. They were uber-religious. I want to call it self-effort. And Jesus is telling them, that's not your problem. That's not what's making you unclean. That's not what's causing you all the trouble. How many have ever just tried to be good? Well, let me, let me back up. Let's make it easier. How many have ever tried to be on a diet? Isn't it funny the moment you say, I'm on a diet, you're starving? I mean, if I want to get, work up an appetite, all I have to say is like, you know what, I'm going to go on a diet. And next thing you know, I'm starving. I'm hangry. I want food. That's all I can think about. And I find it's that way with a lot of things with trying to do self-improvement. It's kind of like my scene at the restaurant that's happened to me way too many times where I, I have a new shirt. It's always my new shirt that this happens to, and it's always a lighter colored one. I'm there, I'm happy, and the first thing I do is I drip on it. Cindy can tell this is the truth. And then I go, I take a napkin. You guys always do this. You dip it in your water cup when no one's looking so they don't think you're gross. And then you try to clean up your stain. How many knows it goes from there to there to there? Then you like casually walk to the restroom and you're washing it more. It's just bigger and uglier. Now you're wet too. How many have ever gone so far as to get under the hand dryer? <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jeff. And you just look ridiculous because the more I try, the worse it gets. And I want to tell you something. Self-effort is that way. In fact, Jesus said we're all stained. Sin brings a stain to our life. And he said it like this. Scripture says it this way. Your righteous works are like filthy rags. Like something someone worked on and messed with, and the more you mess with it, the worse it's getting. Self-effort oftentimes leads to more problems. We may hide them. We may cover them up, but the truth is, they're still there. Jesus goes on in Luke chapter 11, uh, begin with verse 39, and I'll just tell you some of this stuff. I, I won't get into much because of time, but it is interesting to look at another episode Jesus has with Pharisees. And it dealt with hand washing. They were obsessed with hand washing and the rules. And in this instance, Jesus like lays into them and he, he basically gives woes to the Pharisees. And he, he says stuff uh, like, um, woe to you Pharisees. Because you give a tenth, but you neglect justice and the love of God. He says, you're tithing, you're giving a tenth, but you're doing things like this other passage said. You're neglecting your parents, you're neglecting justice, orphans, widows, you're neglecting just loving God. You're doing things that may attract attention to yourself. You're actually spending real money, but you're missing the most important things. Says stuff like, uh, what are you Pharisees? Because you love 
the most important seats. They were fighting for the, the better seats so they could be looked at. He said, woe to you guys because you're like unmarked graves that people trip over and defile themselves. They don't even see your mess coming. Talks about the teachers of the law. Woe to them because they bind up heavy burdens on people and won't even lift one finger to say, here, try. And, and when we live in self-effort, I find that what happens is not only do you make a bigger mess for yourself, but you be, begin to make a bigger mess for everyone around you. You're uptight. You're on edge. You're judgmental. You pile up rules to the sky and want everybody around you to jump through these rules you've set because you just can't find contentment. You're trying like everything to be good and make your life look right. And in doing that, you're wearing yourself out and everyone else around you. And Jesus is addressing, Jesus loved the Pharisees. I know he's calling them hypocrites. He's calling them out to get their attention, but he died for those guys as well and everybody that was there that day. And he's trying to get their attention to say, guys, you're trying so hard, but you're missing it. Your real problem is here. It's not your actions. It's not what you're doing. It's not how you're trying to be better. It's right here. It's your heart. It's within you. And he lists that awful list of stuff. He talks about from a person's heart comes evil thoughts. Sexual immorality, theft, murder. I blamed all that on TV and the news, not my heart. Adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. Man, I want to blame that on someone else or anything, but not my heart. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. This kind of leaves us in a quandary. Be like if I were to come up to you and say, you know what? This really isn't your problem. You look okay. It's not your issue. It's your heart. Your heart, heart is rotten to the core. Good luck. Have a nice day. How many would feel like desperate at that point? Because keep in mind, they're, they're there like these guys are trying. And Jesus said, hey, all the rotten things you're fighting with and all the things you're doing and, and your failures and, and the problems in your life, it's not someone else's fault. It's not your society's fault. It's not that you're try, not trying. It's your heart. Your heart's rotten to the core. Have a good day. What do you do with that? What do you do with a heart that wants to do the wrong thing? What do you do with a heart that has wrong stuff coming out. You may say, well, my heart's fine. Yeah, is it? I think the heart is sometimes revealed under pressure. Like when you squeeze the tube of toothpaste, that's when you find out what's inside. When, that, you know, when you turn the lights on in the cellar and you have rats. It doesn't mean there weren't rats there before. It's when the pressure comes or a situation comes and you're like, oh crud, I slipped just because. No, the problem is you got a bad heart. And when the opportunity came, you fell right into it because the heart has all kinds of problems. So what do we do with this? See, Jesus all the way through Mark is showing himself off to be God. 
I mean, he shows himself with the sea. I, I love, Doug, your glass illustration that he spoke to a rough sea and it becomes smooth as glass. He heals the leper. He says to the guy on the mat, your sins are, son, your sins are forgiven. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Yeah, exactly. Jesus is God. So you'll know. Stand up, take your mat, go home. To the demoniac that everybody got rid of outside the village, Jesus alone came and in one moment sets this guy free. Now he's dressed and in his right mind. And now people are terrified. But this guy is now being used by Jesus. Jesus Jesus is God. And the one that spoke to them is the one that could solve their problem. And he says, it's your heart. Your heart's the problem. But Jesus didn't come just to reveal our bad heart. He came to do something about it. He came to do something about every one of our hearts in this room. And this morning, you're just in a few positions today some of us, our heart has not been transformed, and I'm going to tell you right now, and I say this with love, and I say this with uh, one that's been there, myself, your heart is bad. Well, that's mean. No, it's not. The stuff that's coming out of your heart and your life bears bad fruit, and it's killing you. And you know it's killing you. You have no peace. You have no joy. Everything in your life is a struggle. It's a fight to get ahead. And you may have come to church, you may know churchy things, but right now, today, your heart's bad. And you need God to transform you and give you a new heart and to forgive you and start things new again. Some of us here, you've, you've been given a new heart. You trusted Jesus. You've asked Him to forgive your sins and make you new. And but you've forgotten what it is to wake up every day and say, God, thank you for a new heart. What are we going to do today? And, and you're walking in an old system. You weren't made to walk with anger and malice and all this crud that you've allowed to creep into your life. You were born again. You live with a new heart and you have to start acting like that. And you have to stop, stop saying, I got to fight these sins and start saying, God, you gave me a new heart. Give me victory today. Let your spirit live through me. So we're only in a couple places today. Either your heart's never been made new, either it's been made new and you've forgotten, or right now you're living in victory and you're trusting God every day, saying, I trust God with this new heart you've given me. See, God's promise, we can look back to Ezekiel chapter 36. Israel is a great example for all of us. When we look at Israel's history, those guys messed up a lot. They're, they got it wrong a lot. Their heart was bad. God takes them out of Egypt, splits the Red Sea. They get over there. One of the first things they do is they make a foreign god and dance around some golden calf. How I many know it's messed up? And then God has mercy on them again and and he brings judges to their life because they would go into sin and rebellion and God would like shake them and wake them up and they'd, oh God, we love you, we're sorry. And they'd mess up again and mess up again and again and again and again. And they just could not follow the rules. And some of you guys say, hey, that sounds a lot like me. Because you've tried, you've given it your best effort. 
And it just hasn't worked. And here's the solution that God gives in Scripture. I love it. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. Of all the stuff he's tried, he announces this. He says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Man, I love that. That old heart that we struggle with is full of stuff. God says, I don't want to improve that one. I don't want to give you 10 steps to be a better person, a husband, a wife. I want to come along and I want to take that thing out of you and I want to put a new heart, a new spirit in you and cause you to obey me and cause you to have hope in a new life. Let's read what he says. It's so much better. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new, cre- the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Heart of stone, gone. New heart, here. It is a miracle, just like when God walked on water. It's a miracle. Just like when God told a raging sea, be still, and it was still. Just like when God talked to a demoniac that had a legion of demons in him, get out, and it got out, and he was clothing in his right mind. Just like God that stepped to a leper and says, I'm willing, touched him, and he was clean. It's a miracle. It is the same God, and he alone can take our old, hard hearts that are impossible and make them new. He alone can do that. We have no hope of self-improvement. I pray we shut the doors to every church that would say, hey, you just go be a better person. Why? So you look better when you spend an eternity without him. So you look better when your family deals with broken marriages and failure and stuff. And so you persist to live in this perpetual spiral of failure. No, that's not what we're called to. We're called to a life of love, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. We're called to have a new heart where we can begin to enjoy the things of God. This doesn't mean that if you have a new heart here today, you're suddenly going to be perfect or everything, just drink time of bad habits. Let's be honest, who in here has ever had a bad habit? Okay, good. How many have ever found bad habits are hard to drop? Why is that? Like, when someone said sugar's bad for you, I'm like, ooh, gross, I should drop that. No way, man. How many have ever had a good habit? How many have realized that's very easy to drop? Why is that? We, we've grown up with this bad heart, this sinful nature, this thing that's selfish, that's opposed to God, that can't know him or understand him. And habits are habits. And though you have a new heart... And your new creature in Christ, I guarantee you on the I-10 tomorrow, you have had a habit. When someone cuts you off, you just bless God for them. Oh, God, bless that person. They're probably about to get fired. I just bless their wife and their kids. And No, you're like, what an idiot. It's a habit. And the more you begin to live with this new heart, though, and daily get up and say, Lord, thank you for a new heart. Let me... Be led by your spirit. Let me know you today. Something surprising will happen. You'll get cut off and you'll be like, okay, 
I'm not freaking out. I'm not praying for him yet, but I'm not freaking out. And there will be a day when you may begin to pray for them. And you're going to become easier to live with as you begin to learn how to walk with a new heart, how to think with a new heart, how to invite God to guide and lead and move you with this new heart. The most tragic thing would be for us to try to find good advice or to find some things to improve your life and walk out of here with a desperately wicked heart that can't contain anything from God. That would be so tragic. We receive a new heart by faith. We believe that Jesus came, that he walked this earth, that he died for our sins and rose again and will one day return. And between now and then, the Bible says stuff like this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord. What's it mean to call on the name of the Lord? That you have faith, that you believe that Jesus is in fact God, that he walked this earth, that he died for your sins, rose again, and will return. And when you have faith that God loves you that way and did that for you, the Bible says you become a new creation. It's this thing of saying, Lord, you died for me, I'll live for you. I'm willing to let that old heart, that old life, that old thing be called what it is, filthy, offensive to you, and wrong, and let it be buried with you, and let me live a new life in you. And God will do that for anyone who asks. So today, if you sit here and you say, ooh, I've really tried a lot of things, and I'm not really getting anywhere, can I encourage you to trust Jesus today? He loves you. He knows you, and he loves you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for the truth of your love. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is here and that uh, you, you're dealing with and convicting hearts right now that you long to transform. And I just prayed, would you do your work? Would you do a miracle in hearts today? Would you forgive sin? Would you remove hearts of stone and make us new? Lord, make us new. We don't want to be improved. We give our lives to you. Lord, we don't ask you to just bless our lives. We ask you, Lord, to take our lives and make us new. Lord, we place ourselves in your hand. Lord, your word says that if we confess Jesus is Lord and believe that you raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. And Lord, we just do that now. We say, Jesus, you're Lord. You're everything the word says you are. That you're God, that you're a healer, that you're the sacrifice for our sins that you're our high priest and our returning king, Lord. We believe you're Lord. And we believe that the Father raised you to life and will raise us with you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. With your head's still bowed, just a moment. If you're here today and you'd say, and this, this takes guts, if you'd say, I'm here and I need a new heart, 
I got a heart problem today and I need God to take this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. I need him to forgive me and I need to put my life right in the middle of his hands. I've had my own heart, my own way, way too long, but I want to trust him today. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand real high and say, that's where I'm at. Right on, right on. I see those hands. That's so cool. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just offer our hearts to you, God. Take them. Lord, you're faithful. And we call on you, Lord, just an act of faith, saying, here we are, God. We raised a hand. Lord, make us new, we pray. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Now, guys, like anything new, we all buy new cars, and one of the things when we pull up to the gas pump the first time, you want to know what kind of gas to put in your car, am I right? You don't buy a car and say, I'm filling that bad boy with diesel. <laughs> It'll only be once. You want, to, you want to find out what your vehicle runs on. And, and can I tell you something? A new heart runs on some specific things. It runs on God's Word. Man, it is fuel for that new heart. I've met so many people that have given their hearts to Jesus, and when that heart is new, you're going to find a new excitement in the Word of God. It's going to speak to you like it didn't before. Why? Because before your heart was not new, when it's new, it begins to understand things of the Spirit of God. And when you start reading the Bible, you're like, whoa, didn't know that was there. And you'll start doing crazy things like running to friends and say, did you see this? Like you just found the Holy Grail, and you did. New hearts run on the Word of God. Get a Bible. Uh, read it. Know it. Uh, the other thing that new hearts run on is prayer. God loves you. There are no special prayer books you need. All you need to do is be honest before Him. Go home somewhere and say, Hey God, let me talk to you. Thank you for making my heart new. You can talk to Him about how great you believe he is and know he is. You get talking about things you read in the Bible. And the next thing a heart runs on that's really good is it runs well with other believers. We are pack animals. Don't let anyone tell you that you're like, I'm just a lone ranger. I walk this alone. No, you are a fool. We are pack animals. Jesus made us as a body. Find Christians to hang with. It's so important because you'll find they're reading the Bible too and they're praying and it's going to encourage your heart. It's going to encourage your walk. So I want to encourage you today if you said, man, I experienced, I stepped out say, I've got a new heart. Would you tell somebody? Do you let somebody know? Maybe you haven't turned a card in yet. Write it on a card so I can call you and harass you. And when you leave, give it to one of the ushers at the back uh, and we'll, we'll get a hold of you. But Man, God is good. How many would say, yes, God's good? Amen. Now, this week, we're not lazy. We train. Mark chapter 8. Uh, I want to encourage you, get Mark chapter 8 and read it once a day. Just read it once a day. Highlight Mark. Write notes. And when you come here next week, I want you to be so full of what the Scripture says there that you'd say, like, wow, Trev, I could have done a much better job. I found so much in that chapter. You, you missed a whole bunch of good stuff. That's how I would like for you to be next week. And if you have a new heart, 
Maybe you need to be reminded that you do have a new heart. Maybe you just got one today. If your heart's new, you're going to see some stuff. It's the most exciting adventure in the world. We stand with me? If you need prayer, uh, there are going to be people around. We would love to pray with you. Father, I pray you'd bless your people. I pray, Lord, that we'd recognize that we're people that have a new heart because of you, Jesus. Thank you for that miracle. Bless your folks. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Crossings Church Podcast. We meet at Desert Edge High School on the northwest corner of Estrella Boulevard and Yuma Road in Goodyear, Arizona. Our service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. Do you have kids? Bring them to our kids' service at 10.30 a.m. You can find us at www.crossingschurchaz.org. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. God bless and have a great week.